And now joining me on the TOT cast here is the one and only play-by-play announcer for the Raptors 905, Megan McPeak. Megan, thank you so much for taking your taking time out of your busy schedule to come talk to us on, on the uh, TOT cast today. How are you doing? I am great. First of all, I just want to say thanks for having me on. always uh, appreciate someone who wants to talk to me, so I appreciate you uh, making time for me. Oh, believe me. I always want to talk to you, Megan, at every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Megan, uh, this has got to have been a big year for you. I mean, especially 2015 was a huge year for you personally. Um, you're able to, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Megan has uh, made history as the first ever play-by-play announcer for Toronto's professional sports team in the Raptors 905. And, uh, I mean, just a year ago, you were working with the NBL Canada. You were doing some games with uh, the Brampton A's. You're doing their play-by-play. So walk us through what it ta- what, what the journey was from, from going there to working, with the, uh, to working with the Raptors 905 now. Um, well, it's it's been a fun journey. I can definitely say that. There's been a lot of ups and downs throughout the journey. Um, first and foremost, if anybody, I'm going to put it out there, if anybody's thinking about getting into sports media or sports broadcasting, the one thing I can tell you is that it is a journey and it will not happen overnight. Um, a lot of people don't know that when they get into it, they think it's going to be, oh, I'm just going to get a job right away. It is definitely not that. So that was probably one of the most difficult things for me to learn was just to be patient and know that my time will come when everything is ready to go. And essentially the cards are in the right place and, and the dominoes are ready to fall. So I got lucky that I, I did the hard work. I, I guess you could say I was in grind mode uh, yeah. from start to finish and, and really just kept pushing and, and kept trying to stay positive and then was able to get the job with the with the Brampton A's now obviously in Orangeville with the relocation um, for their inaugural season in 2013 and then was back on the mic last season for 2014-15 season and then um, at the end of the season I, I kept grinding, kept pushing, kept networking and then was yep. able to get in, in touch with uh, my boss at NBA TV Canada, Aaron LaFontaine and things just kind of kept moving from there and then um in september october i was offered the position and didn't even hesitate to say no <laughs> of course not <laughs> it's one of those things where um i sort of did the if you could say the dramatic pause where he offered the position and i said can i have time to think about it and about 15 seconds later i uh, accepted the position <laughs> oh my gosh uh, wasn't really something that i i needed to or wanted to think about so it was. It's been a whirlwind, and it's been the best part about it is it's been fun. So that's the main thing is I've had fun on the journey. And you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Before we get into Raptors talk, I think for anybody who's listening and is trying to get into media or is currently a student in school, um, I w- I want you to explain to them or just to describe to them how important is it to have a personality. It's one thing to have the degree. It's one thing to have the education, but how important is it to have a, a good personality, especially around your superiors, and making sure that your name is never out of the conversation. That's a, a huge component, and um, for myself, it was one thing that I've been told by um, different people, my mentors, is be yourself, and, and don't don't try to be someone you're not. Don't try to be somebody else in the industry. Don't try to be mm-hmm. like so-and-so. Yeah. Be yourself, because that's what's going to stand out, and if, that, if there was one piece of advice, aside from obviously being patient and knowing that it's not going to happen overnight, that I could give anyone... Um, it would be to be yourself because that was probably the best piece of advice that I was given throughout the journey um, from being in school at Humber back in the in, in hey, the hey, early Humber 2000s Hawks. to <laughs> <laughs> to uh, 
to now is, is to be yourself because your person, if your personal personality, excuse me, stands out and, and you're yourself, people will know that you're authentic in the way that you speak to them and and your passion and your integrity for the job and the and the industry. So I think being yourself is probably one of the most important things because authenticity, especially in this industry with the players and the coaches and, and front offices, mm-hmm. if you're authentic to them, they'll be more willing to speak to you about, about certain things and, and give you sort of the quote-unquote leaked information before it's actually made public and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a main, that's probably one of the most important things is the personality of yourself. Be yourself and don't let anybody change who you are because then you're no longer authentic. Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny, my uh, I've I've been lucky enough that I've had a, a couple of very influential people in media around me in the Toronto area, and I think the best piece of advice they ever gave me to touch on what you were saying earlier is, uh, they said, uh, don't ever try and change your voice when you're actually on the air. <laughs> exactly. Just and I'm, yeah. I don't know about you, but I know myself, and I, I know I've heard it from a couple other people as well who are at the NBA level. I hate listening to myself. <laughs> but the only way to get better. You have to listen to yourself because if you can't self-critique yourself and pick apart what you do that you need to work on, then nobody's going to want to give you a job. If you can't, if you can't even listen to yourself, why would thousands of people, excuse me, around North America or, or the yep. world want to listen to you? So as much <laughs> as I hate hearing my voice, yeah. oh my goodness, like, yeah, you have to be able to, you have to be able to critique yourself and, and I'm with you. You have to be able <laughs> to be yourself and, and one of those is not changing not changing your voice, but quick shout out to our alumni, Humber Hawks Women's Volleyball. Of course. On oh, my gosh. consecutive win. Yep, that's right. Wilkins and the coaching staff over there. That's right. And I mean, I, I remember even just doing a couple of alumni uh, uh, ceremonies a couple of uh, years ago. And honestly, every year there's at least two or three of those girls that are going to the Hall of Fame. It's just been constant dominance for the last couple of years now. 100%. And uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up really quickly um, before we got into the Raptors was. Um, I actually have a newfound respect for what you're doing play by play, because uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I've been kind of making this a point last uh, last week or so is uh, I, I actually just got an opportunity to do the color commentary for the Orangeville A's. And uh, that was when I got the pleasure of meeting you in person, which, you know, absolute joy. If anyone doesn't know this woman, she's fantastic. <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, I actually have a newfound respect for what you're doing, because uh, unfortunately, uh, Kelsey wasn't available for our game last night against the uh, Moncton Miracles. And so I ended up having to sit in the play-by-play chair while <laughs> Coach Larry Blunt of Orangeville Prep was doing the color commentary. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it is it is one of the most difficult things I've ever done in media as a media job. I mean, I've done traffic reports. I've done a lot of, like, I've, I've ran a production sh- uh, for a morning show on, on a, a station in Toronto. But let me tell you something right now. There is nothing more challenging or hectic than doing play-by-play, <laughs> especially if you're going in and there's no names on the back of the jerseys just, just for an extra kick in the kick in the stomach. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely not the easiest thing to do, and it's it's definitely one of the – more challenging things to do in the world of sports media. Um, I got my start doing university, so they definitely don't have names on the back of their yeah. jerseys, especially <laughs> in Canadian university and Canadian college ball. So it's it's definitely a interesting yet challenging but great experience, especially if you sort of just get thrown into it on a yep. whim and. You don't really, uh, you don't really have as much time as you would like to prep for it and get ready for it. But 
um, if you if you handled yourself, and I imagine you did well. And I mean, having Coach Blunt on on your other side definitely makes it a little bit easier because he's familiar with the people. So it's it's good to have someone as a color commentator who's familiar with the players yeah. who can assist you in the sense of if you're if you're struggling with something or you're or you miss something, then you've got someone who can have your back. So yeah, play by play. A lot of people think it's just you know, talking and, and saying the game, but you actually have to know what's going on and know what you're talking about while you're doing it. And it's, you've got to, you can never have your eyes down. You've always got to have your eyes up. So absolutely. It's and an interesting challenge. And that was a challenging part. I had names written down. I had names highlighted starting lineups. I was raring to go. I thought I had it all locked down and nope. <laughs> there was a couple of moments there where uh, I had to take a pause and just say it was number 55 instead of the actual name. So like, like I said, I mean, it was just, it was a great eye-opening experience for me and uh, it, it gave me a whole new appreciation for what you do. Um, so now moving forward, the Raptors 905 uh, started off a little slow this year, but my goodness, have they picked it up in the last, I'd say, month or so. They've won six straight now, correct? Yes, they, last night was their six straight. They're going for number seven tonight. Uh, yes, exactly. And um, so what was it – what is it uh, – you've had an opportunity to watch this this team night in and night out. And I remember you talking to me earlier about a month ago when, when, we, were, uh, when we, were, we were talking and you were saying, you know, you, it was frustrating to see that they were just – they were so close. Like they were, they were just on the verge of getting it. And so what was it that's happened now specifically that – they have seemed to have it now and, and have just been tearing through the league. Um, I think it would be probably the turning point, in my opinion, would be the NBA D-League showcase that took place uh, back in uh, early – wow, my, my mind has lost me. Um, I believe it was back in January, early, early January, that the D-League showcase took place. And that, I think, was the turning point for them in Santa Cruz, they didn't have NBA assignments. There, none of the guys, there was there was no Bennett, Caboclo, Powell, Nagara, uh, right? None of those guys were, were on assignment during the showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also the time leading up to when the big club was heading over to London. So that, I think, was the turning point. No assignments when you're in Santa Cruz. You've got to take your whole roster um, in case people don't realize Simbular was on the restriction that he was only playing home games during the the first part of the season, working on his conditioning, getting getting his footing, trying to drop some weight. And that was a turning point, I think, also too for the coaching staff. They had to make a decision: do we take him or do we does he stay at home and we, we stick with this no road game? They made the decision to take him, and I think for Sim as well, that was also a turning point. But I think the showcase was a chance for the guys to get their footing under them figure out how to how to play as a unit because the the way the D-League goes on a night-in and night-out basis, guys are going back and forth between big clubs and small clubs. Absolutely. You never know when you're going to get them or when they're going to leave. So it's definitely a challenge not only for the coaching staff to make the adjustments, but also to the actual players on the roster mm-hmm. who are always there night-in and night-out every single day practicing. So I think that was a chance for the guys to get some cohesion, get some chemistry, and really figure things out. And from day one of training camp um, over in Vancouver, when they went, the team went to the Raptors training camp and then had their own training camp out of that. From day one, Coach Remus and his coaching staff have instilled of sticking with the process and buying in. And this team has bought in and they've stuck with the process. They've maintained positivity through the tough, um, the tough time when they were, when they lost nine straight. 
and then the showcase happened and it was like literally a 360 spin and they something clicked and from that moment things were working I mean, you look at the Raptors and you look at the 905. It took a trip across the pond for the Raptors yeah. to, to get things going. And between the two teams, they won 16 straight games. Tonight, both of them can make it 18 games combined between the two of them. The Raptors obviously going for 11 and the 905 going for 7. So both teams, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was getting away from home. Obviously, the Raptors have been on the road the majority of the beginning of the season. But yeah. getting away and figuring it out. But both of the teams... The trip to London and the showcase for the Dewey team—they've both managed to figure it out, and they've been rolling ever since. I don't—I don't think anyone would have ever, in a, in a million years, would have thought of, of both the Raptors 905 and the Raptors team at the same time putting together 16 straight wins. I mean, that's—that's that's a number I didn't even—you don't even think about that number until you just brought it up right now. <laughs> and what's, what's crazy is both of them, for right now. As long as both teams keep winning, it's going to be a new franchise record in, in, in consecutive wins until they can lose knock on what it doesn't happen for both of them tonight. <laughs> but they both have two tough matchups in the Detroit Pistons for the Raptors and then the Erie Bayhawks for the 905. So if they can keep it rolling, then, I mean, it's it's great. And, and Toronto fans and Canadian basketball fans as a whole are having the chance to be part of watching history with the franchise's creating these records absolutely and so uh, moving on with some of the guys that you were talking about that have been kind of up and down as you said it's a very volatile situation in the nbbl it's it's um you, you like you said you never know when guys are going to be coming in and coming out and it can be a, a huge influx of talents one minute and then the next minute it's you know a guy who's only playing three minutes tonight when the other guys are here is now all of a sudden getting put into put play 20 um one of, one of the guys that we've seen that came down that kind of made a lot of people turn their head and realize uh, was Anthony Bennett. And he, and what I think was a lot, was a bigger shock to a lot of people that may not know him, right? Like there's, there's a lot of people that know him around the city and know that, you know, he's the kind of, he's not the kind of guy that's going to sit there and, and, and try and act like a diva, at least not anymore. I think he's definitely learned his lesson in that sense. But when he asked to be brought down to the Raptors 905 to get some extra work in. So I was just taking a quick look at his numbers right now. And he's, he's averaged in five games, he's averaged 11 points, 3.6 rebounds. In the time that you've seen him play, have you seen anything? Has there been anything specifically that you can tell that he's been working on while he's been at the Raptors 905? Well, it's it's hard to say because the first the first three games um, that he was down with the 905, the first two of them, not his best showing. His first one, his numbers tell a different story than if you actually go and watch the, the film back. Numbers-wise, had a decent game. Yeah. Actually putting the whole game together, probably not his best showing. Mind you, though, it was his first time playing with these guys, so that's understandable. Second game, only played five minutes because he ends up going back to the locker room with the lower back soreness, and that was when we saw him not playing and not active for those couple of weeks, went to London with the big club, but still was really just working with uh, Alex McKechnie, who is the Raptors director of sports, um, sports medicine. So working with him, and then the third game, talking with Bennett after the game, I, I asked him if it was third time a charm for him, and he kind of chuckled and said, I guess it was because third time down. That was when he really had, if you will, his breakout game with the 905, and Alex McKechnie was there to help him warm up, stretch him out prior to the game. Yeah. And I think the doing the work off the court with the lower back and getting that figured out and knowing how he can deal with it and how you got to play with the lower back soreness, I think that was sort of his game where he had his aha moment, if you will. Yeah. And 
that was probably his best game with the 905. Then he goes on, he, he was able to go on the road um, with them and figure things out as well as another game at home. But his decision-making and his shot selection were two things that were kind of like, oh, those, those were the two things, excuse me, that were up in the air and sort of he was juggling and trying to figure out. And that's something that we've seen all of the NBA assignment guys try and figure out is yeah. no matter when, when they get assigned, everyone knows that they automatically have the green light and they're going to play big minutes. But part of their development is the, men, the mental maturity of figuring out when they pick their spots to pass, shoot, whatever it may be. But that third game with the 905, Bennett picked his spots perfectly and he established his game inside and then went outside. And in the first few games, he tried to establish it outside and then go inside. And the one thing with Bennett, and when he was drafted, they said this about him too, is he cannot fall in love with the outside shot. He's got to learn to play and add, not just consistently play with his back to the bucket because of his position and him being that tweener type of player. Yeah. But he's got to have in his repertoire and his arsenal that he can play with his back to the basket and actually be consistent at it. And then once he can establish that and be consistent at it and get respect from that, that's when he can pull his defender out and extend that floor and extend the paint and open up the paint for his guards and even himself because he's got the ability to knock down the shot. And I think that third game with the 905 was the moment when he realized, okay, if I can figure out my inside game, the outside game is going to come. And that game as a whole for the 905, just in general, the whole team, everybody was figuring out and everybody knew. It seemed like everything was just clicking in that third game that Bennett was with them. Um, so I think that's probably been where I've seen him grow the most in his five games with the 905 has been from that third game on is his shot selection. Obviously, there's going to be games where it drops off and you yeah. kind of question, oh, why'd you take that shot or why weren't you? It happens. I mean, you see it in the NBA all the time and it, it's no different than in the D League. So I think his shot selection and, and knowing when and where to pick his spots is going to be key in his development and him getting more minutes in the NBA. Yes. And I'm glad you brought up uh, picking your spots and shot selection because uh, one guy who's definitely going to have to start uh, doing that a lot more consistently uh, is going to be a guy like Norman Powell and and even Dylan Wright as well. Now, these are the two guys that the Raptors have picked up this season. These are the guys that, you know, they've, they've actually came in and they've made quite an impression and name for themselves in the Raptors 905, it seems, so far. Um, but even a guy like Powell specifically, now with Damari Carroll out, there's an opportunity and a chance for him, especially if, if he's if he's going to be brought up to the big team. He's going to be seen more as a guy who's going to be a facilitator as opposed to a scorer, which he is mostly in the D-League, it seems like at this point. And not only that, though, also be a guy who can come out and defensively stop a, a any any of the other offensive threat on the other side of the floor for a couple of minutes before the starting lineup gets back in for the Raptors. Now, how much of an adjustment has it been for him the last couple of games? Because I know the Raptors 905 coaching staff, it seems like they've kind of made an effort now to try and show him more to focus on that as opposed to just scoring because he's been on a tear offensively, especially during this winning streak. So what are some of the challenges does it look like that he's been facing and, and how has he been doing so far on the idea of kind of almost changing his philosophy a little bit, I guess you could say, being more towards facilitating and defense than just straight scoring? Well, the one thing that Norman Powell is known for, and I think um, it was known the moment that he was drafted um, and then was brought into the Raptors, was the fact that the kid, the kid can play lockdown defense. That mm-hmm. That is one thing they don't need to worry about. 
they know you put them on the floor. They know that you can put them on their best score or second best score, and he's going to limit that person's production. That's that's something that the 905 coaching staff and, and the Raptors and Dwayne Casey and his coaching staff don't really need to worry about. Obviously, yeah. you want them to get better, but that's one thing that they're lucky they don't have to worry about because he, they know he can play defense. So that's one thing that they've said, you know what, we, we know you've got that area. One thing that they want him to work on, you know, he's a scorer. He's proven that in the games, in the minutes that he's played with the big club and then also, too, with the 905, is he, they want him to be more of a facilitator. And, and I say that in the sense of prior to their uh, last game at home uh, against Erie, I spoke with Coach Mermis and, and asked him about the, uh, the unconventional double-double that Norman had on the road against Westchester in their overtime win in New York prior to them getting snowed in <laughs> during <laughs> that, um, those sort of things. Yes. And I asked him, you know, 30 points is great, but the kid had 11 turnovers. What was the conversation like after the game? And Coach Mermis said it was positive, and, and a lot of people will, will hear that and, and kind of do that dog tilt their head like, what are you talking about? How is that a positive <laughs> conversation? And he went on to explain it um, in the sense of they know he can score, they know he can defend, but they want him to be a facilitator and his his shadowing and his predecessor, if you will, is DeMar DeRozan. Yes. DeMar DeRozan was the exact same type of player in the sense of you know he can score, you know he, he's athletic, you know he can attack the rim, you know what you're going to get from him offensively. Obviously, the jump shot needs to come. It's the same with Norman Powell. The jump yeah. shot is there, but it can get better. Defensively, I would say Powell is probably a little better coming into the league than DeMar was. No disrespect to DeMar, but he's improved on that tremendously. Yes. But in the last three years, Coach Mermis has been the one that's been working with DeMar DeRozan in the sense of learning how to facilitate. And if you go back two, three years ago, and you'll you'll see the, the change of DeMar DeRozan in the sense of you saw his numbers in the turnovers go up a lot in the last three years compared to this year, this season now. It's because they worked with him on picking your spots, becoming more of a facilitator. When you have a player who's a scorer, 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 and then you have to push them and, and sort of force them and impose on them to become now a facilitator, the turnover numbers are going to go up. And they know that there's going to be games where Powell's going to have a high turnover number game, but they know why. Because they're, they're taking him out of his element and asking him to do something he's not used to doing. But then you look you, you look at him and, and you look at DeMar DeRozan and what he's done over the past three years, the numbers went up and then dropped back down because he's learned over the course of playing through the season and playing through the ups and downs and, and the roller coaster of, man, I had nine turnovers tonight, I had six turnovers. Yeah. Eventually those numbers dropped back down because you then, you, after a couple of years playing and figuring it out, you realize when you can pick your spot. Look at DeMar's season this year. No one has ever looked at him in the last few in, in the in the few years that he's been with the Raptors. If he's been a facilitator, especially since he's been on a tear the last what 10, 11 games. He's yep. been attacking and making the passes going up. And the moment you can make that attack and you suck the defenders in and they respect you and they react to you, he knows. Okay, do I go up and get the foul and go to the line, or do I make that pass? Yep. And that's what they're working with Norman to do and to figure out. And he's lucky enough that. He's doing it behind a player in DeMar DeRozan 
that is mentoring him and having the conversations with him. Like, kid, I've been here. I get it. So the fact that you can have him buddy up with a player who's been through it and knows the ups and downs and, and, and the struggles of making that change and adding that to your repertoire, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier on Powell. And he, as, as Coach Murma said, he's been very open and very positive to the struggle, the process, and the journey of adding that to his game. So although people may look at it and be like, well, Powell had like nine turnovers tonight or eight turnovers, you've got to stick with the process and you've got to look and remind yourself of what the outcome is next season or the season after that. So adding that to his repertoire is going to be so good for him down the line, but it's going to be a tough thing for him. And we saw it in their game the other night against the Knicks. He went into the game early on, got early minutes, and he had a few turnovers, but it was because you can tell if you go back and look at it, it was because he was trying to facilitate as opposed to just attack the bucket. He He was trying to work on what he's been asked to work on in the big stage and on the big stage when he finally got his moment to do that. And I've got to commend him for taking that opportunity and being okay with making those mistakes because he knows he needs to learn from it. And, and the best place to learn, not only in the D league, but also when he got those, that chance and got those minutes against the Knicks. Uh, hey, one of the things, the uh, formula process is never being afraid to make mistakes. And I think uh, it definitely sounds like he's bought into the process in that sense. Uh, we're speaking with Megan McPeak here on the uh, TOT cast Raptors 905 play-by-play commentary uh one thing i want another thing i wanted to ask you megan uh last question but um one of the guys that a lot of people were looking to and talking about once this team came into existence a lot of people that thought was going to get a a real push was going to be bruno caboclo and um so far this year the numbers they've they've been decent and you're gonna have to forgive my ignorance personally because i haven't had an opportunity to watch the raptors 905 play enough which i think is why it's such a privilege to have you on with us today uh, explain to us what Bruno's process has been like, uh, having watched him for most of the season, and uh, where do you think he's at right now? Has he gotten any better? Has he regressed? Uh, because one of the biggest things and one of the biggest complaints a lot of fans had about Bruno was the fact that he wasn't getting enough minutes uh, in the the former D League team they were at last year, which was uh, the Mad Ants, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he wasn't getting a lot of minutes on that team. He was shared with 13 other uh, teams on the, or 13 other NBA teams and that it was just a big mess. So explain to us briefly, like what, what's been his process so far coming into this. And, and, and I think it's something that people also need to uh, tend to forget rather quickly is they drafted this kid when he was only 19 or 18 years of age. So he's still technically, if he was up here, there's still a chance he could have been a junior in, in college at this point. So what has been yeah. his process and his development so far this season? It's been it's been good and and I think you mentioned him being down in the DV last season with Fort Wayne and the uh, 13 other teams that the Raptors had to share Fort Wayne with so that is uh, that's a a struggle in itself um, if you will but I think now with having the 905 uh, round and and such a quick drive from the ACC and and downtown Toronto it's been a blessing not only just for Bruno but for Madeira and and Powell and Wright. Um, and Bennett, it's been a blessing for all of them and also, too, for the Raptors coaching staff because it's right there. They can check in on guys and and what have you, but I've seen... You could literally take the bus. (laughs) Just (laughs) saying. I've I've seen Bruno progress and regress, but then progress and continue to progress. Beginning of the season, he, he... he was doing good and then he regressed a bit because he was frustrated with how he was playing and then 
wasn't getting minutes when he would go back with the big club and then was sent back down and, and to the D League team and was frustrated. So it's been an up and down journey for him and, and it's been a struggle. And the the one thing that you mentioned and I love that you mentioned it, Ryan, was the fact that he's so, so young. Yes. And that's the he he's not only young in age, but he has not had a lot of professional basketball playing experience. Nope. And I don't think a lot of people keep that in mind when they watch him and the progression and, and what this D League team means for him as a player. And, and it's a culture player. shock, right? It's a culture shock. I mean, yeah. this is a guy who's, you exactly. know, he's he's coming from I mean, Brazil and he's never, I don't, I doubt he ever, he'd ever left home for an extended period of time like he's doing right now. And it's, it's you know, you got to learn a new language, learn a new culture. And then not only that, it, between jumping between the United States and Canada, it may not seem like a big difference between us, but you know, it could be a, it could mean a big difference for a kid from Brazil who's still a teen who was still a teenager at the time. Exactly, and and now I mean he's finally in his twenties. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> it's, it's still it's still a big adjustment, but his main thing, in my opinion, outside of the actual game itself and and his progression and his work ethic and whatnot, is his maturity and his frustration that he tends to get that we have seen live in person on TV, on YouTube, whatever it may be is when he gets down on himself. And that's, I think been his biggest Achilles of his game is he tends to get so easily frustrated and down on himself. And it takes him out of the game. He takes himself out of the game. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed it this season throughout the entire time he's been with the 905 is that he struggled at the beginning. He had a glimpse of, okay, here he's figured it out. And he struggled a bit. And then I don't know what it was, but he had a, he, he himself must have had an aha moment as well because it's been getting few and far between that he's gotten down on himself when things aren't going. Because let's be serious. No one is ever going to have a perfect game every single game. No one's ever going to have the stats they want every single game. Yep. No matter who you are, whether you're LeBron. I mean, look at LeBron. He got his shot blocked the other night. Yeah, and he did. The dunk. <laughs> so no one ever has the great nights they want to have game in and game out. So I think he finally realized that that is going to happen and he's not going to have great nights every night. Yeah. And when he's not getting it on the offensive end, he's figured out that, guess what? I have a seven-foot wingspan. I can get things done defensively and have an impact defensively for my team. And yep. he's figured out that when it's offensively not going for him, he can get it done defensively for his team. And when it comes to the actual game, he's, he's still struggling with not getting fouls and not fouling himself out of the game and picking up the ticky-tack fouls. Some of them are his own frustration fouls. Some of them are rotation-based where yeah. he's filling in for the rotation when it's actually not his rotation, but no one's there. So he's going last minute, picking up a foul. So in that sense, he's figuring it out still. But for me, if he can just figure out the emotional side of things, yeah. I think it will come together very easily for him because he's had games with the 905 where it's like, oh my goodness, this is the kid that Jay Billis was talking about when yeah. he said he's two years away from being two years away. And he's doing <laughs> yep. it quicker than we thought. But then he drops off a bit. So I think it's the emotional side of things that he's still trying to figure out. But I think now he's got a good group of people around him, not just his teammates, but also his support system, his, his agent, coaches that he knows that he's mm -hmm. worked with from Brazil. I know during, um, I think it was during December, 
before January. He had one of his Brazilian coaches that he knew um, up here with him, talking to him and working through things with him and coaching with him. I know also too during during the early or during the uh, December January time, speaking with assistant coach David Gale, he was asking Coach Gale to come and shoot with him after practice, after shoot around, when basically it was the evening time and they could do their own thing. Yeah. And it was sort of the optional, let me know if you want to go shoot. He was texting Coach Gale and saying, Coach, I want to go shoot. He was getting in the gym late nights and, and working on it. And you could see through the games during that time that the progression was going up and then it dropped a little bit. But I think it's at yeah. the point where if he can just get it emotionally figured out, he can keep progressing and keep going up and up and up. And, and he'll have that moment where it all comes together in fruition and he'll really figure it out and he'll be able to play and, and be able to play and have an impact and be a great player, whether it's for the Raptors or whether it's for another team in the league. Mm-hmm. It really just sounds like he just has to learn to appreciate the little victories on the court, like, you know, batting a ball yeah. away, you know, getting a rebound over a taller defender or, you know, being such a distraction to a shooter that, you know, the, you know, that said shooter is puts up a brick or an air ball or even just making the right pass at the last moment, even if that guy doesn't score, he's got to say to himself, yes, I did the right thing there. And I think if he does that a little bit more consistently, we're going to see the guy that's, you know, that the Messiah Jiri spoke so highly of that uh, it seems the coaches mm-hmm. are high on as well, giving, you know, allowing him to get that extra time to grow and develop. And even, you know, some of the, some of the praise that you're, that you're sending his way, it seems like he's, he's really, it, it seems like he's, he's, he's like a lot of the other guys in the NBDL, but in, in the, but, more specifically, he's already got the physical tools to be great. He now just kind of has to figure out his head and just appreciate the little exactly, wins. Yeah. yeah, and I think the more he can appreciate the little victories that he gets on the court, the more it will bring to his game because, as you mentioned, if he can alter the shot or disrupt the shooter or, 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 or frustrate this offense because he's just so long and doesn't need to play that close to you defensively where you can drive by him because he's got the long wingspan. Yep. And, and I mean, we've seen it when he, when we've seen it happen um, in a few games and it's like, okay, this is, this is the Bruno we need to see. And, and then all of a sudden you go, it, that Bruno goes missing and, and the old one kind of creeps back in. But then you see it again and it's like, all right, we just need to figure out how to keep this Bruno around because this Bruno <laughs> is so great on both ends of the floor and yep. such because in games where he's been so so good and getting it done on the defensive end and the offensive end emotionally he's been into the game and, and loving it and you see the excitement on him and and everything like that so if we can just figure out how to keep that Bruno in a jar and just bring him every night <laughs> with the big club or the 905 I think he'll start to realize like, okay there's going to be ups and downs being a pro athlete, no matter what sport you're in, it's going to be a roller coaster. But if I can just find a way to channel this all the time for 48 minutes when I've got to play on the court on the hardwood for my coaches, I can figure this out and it's going to be great. And if he can do that, then the sky's the limit for that kid. And the sky's really, if, if any of the NBA assignees, whether it's with the Raptors or any other team in the NBA in the D League, if any of them can just figure out how to how to control and bring that player they need to be to know their role and do their role night in and night out, the sky is the limit for really any of them in the league. Megan McPeak, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us here on the TOT cast. Um, let's do this again sometime. Sometime after the All-Star no, no break. No problem. Anytime. Let me know. <laughs> I'd love to, no, I'd love to uh, get your, um, you know, get your, get your updates on what's going on out in uh, Mississauga. Raptors 905 at the Hershey Center. Be sure to check 
the website, Raptors905. Go get some tickets. Go enjoy because it's some great basketball. I mean, I've, I've, I, I, I keep promising you, Megan, I'm gonna come to one of the games. I, I guarantee you, it's gonna be. But now I'm finding out. I take a look at the schedule, and now they're like a month away. Now it's not no games until like the 20th or something like that in February <laughs> at the Hershey Center. Yeah, they're on the. They're on the road uh, right now. They're in Erie, then they'll be home for practices, and then they head out down south to Texas and OKC. And then uh, they've got that time off because it's everybody's favorite time of the year. And if oh, yeah. it happens to be in north of the border for the first time in That's NBA right. history with it being All-Star Week, um, yep. shout-out to Ronald Roberts of the 905, named to the Eastern uh, Conference D-League All-Star team. So he'll be repping the 905. Congratulations uh, to him. All-Star game for the D-League. And then uh, they go, they head back out on the road, and then we don't get them at home until uh, February 21st. But then March, we've got a heavy home schedule, so you know that's the life of the D League. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing it, and look forward to having you back on the TO2 Cast once again. This is Megan McPeak, Raptors 905 play-by-play analyst. Once again, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, take care.